Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the Cinemetropolis.com. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and I'm back at you again with another special interview from the Dead Center 2020 Film Festival. That's right. Uh, you can catch all sorts of coverage of the Dead Center 2020 Film Festival. That is the 20th anniversary of Dead Center uh, over at the Cinematropolis.com. We've got a number of interviews and uh, written pieces that will be coming out. I thought the festival. I'm very excited about today's interview because it's a documentary that is going to be covering a subject that I think is very important, um, very timely, and I'm just excited to see is being talked about uh, in film in such a meaningful way. Uh, so the film we'll be talking about today is Parkland Rising, and we'll be speaking with our special guest, Cheryl McDonough. What's going on? Please. Please be shooting at us, please. I'm getting a full shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. More people died at our school than died at Columbine. Think about that. Parkland Rising. Uh, this is a film that follows the high school students and families who became fierce leaders of a national movement for gun reform following the shooting of 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High in 2018. With unparalleled access, this documentary goes behind the news headlines to share the personal stories of the students leading the movement, as well as the families of victims who are working together to create meaningful change. Uh, that synopsis is provided by the Dead Center website. Uh, and uh, very, very fortunate and thrilled to be joined by the documentary's director, Cheryl McDonough. Cheryl, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic Podcast. Thank you, Caleb. Happy to be here. So uh, th now the school shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High. Now this was a story, of course, that listeners are almost certainly aware of. This shook the nation back in 2018. Um, very uh, reminiscent in, in a lot of not so great ways of Columbine. Uh, so, Cheryl, I, I just want to start things off by asking you, what interested you the most about taking on this project? So, when this happened, um, I think at first, in the first couple of days, I felt the way everyone did watching the news. You know, it was just horrifying and upsetting. Um, and, and we've seen so many of these kinds of not just school shootings, but mass shootings, um, you know, in, in Las Vegas and in... Aurora and at the Pulse nightclub and on and on and on. And it was, my first impression was just, here we go again. Um, but it didn't take long before I started hearing the voices of those students who survived and, and spoke up and they were so passionate and articulate and educated and angry. And what they said uh, really resonated with me. And um, so those voices in Florida uh, were heard by me in New York City. I'm from Florida. Um, I have teenage children and uh, something clicked pretty immediately. And, you know, I make documentaries. I typically make documentaries about young people. Um, and all of that just kind of rushed together and I felt compelled to jump in and try to tell this story in some way. So when did you decide to start documenting your own footage? So like, what was the moment where you said, hey, I, I know I make documentaries, this thing's happening, I've got to tell a story. Like, at what point did you actually jump in and start doing this yourself versus kind of pulling those news clips and, 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 and sound bites and all that from existing footage that had been floating around the internet? 
Um, you know, I, from my experience, so I've done a lot of documentaries over probably uh, getting close to 30 years now. It's been a while. Uh, and, and my style has tended to be uh, focused on verite footage, documenting stories as they're happening, stories where you don't really know what the ending is, but you're in the moment. Um, uh, you know, there is an unknown outcome. So it tends to be um, just very intimate footage, handheld, single camera, um, and, and, you know, we really rely on uh, close relationships and, you know, and proximity to our subjects. Um, and we, we tend to film a ton of footage uh, because nothing is planned. We don't know where things are going. So that is our is my style. That's kind of my background. And so it actually wasn't at all a question for me, you know, to start collecting the footage that was already out there. It was how do I quickly get a camera crew in place to start telling our story. February 2018, the shooting happens. Like about how long did it take you to kind of shift gears and like actually hop on that? like to start filming with your own crew? Uh, so for the first couple of weeks, I was scrambling around trying to raise money, uh, trying to figure out, you know, who can I get in place? Um, what team? How do we do this? And all of that stuff requires money. It requires rental cars and housing and, uh, you know, and, and you have to pay people for their services. So money is unfortunately always you know, the, the first hurdle with, with uh, trying to make a documentary. And, uh, and honestly, I wasn't really getting a lot of traction um, from the usual outlets, uh, trying to um, kind of, you know, in, engage with streamers or networks to give me the money to tell this story. So all of that money came from individuals who essentially were just like me. They were other parents. They were people who were moved by um, what they had seen and, and wanted to help tell that story. So uh, as soon as we had a little bit of that funding, um, I was able to put a small team in Parkland and uh, it was probably about three weeks after the, uh, the, the shooting at the school. So we were there prior to the march, uh, the big march that everybody recall, recalls on uh, Washington. I, I actually like that you've touched on the process a little bit. And by the way, for listeners who might not be familiar, pulling together a film crew in like two to three weeks is um, very hard to do. So um, that's a, a really impressive uh, a feat. Um, but I, I, I do want to take it back to the, the documentary process a little bit, maybe for some of these our listeners we have that aren't as familiar. So what was your process for identifying these key themes, these, these characters or ideas for this film during the filming phase of production? I was always focused on the activism. Uh, that was always the story I wanted to tell. I, I, so I knew from the start that I didn't want to uh, make a, a crime documentary and I didn't want to just focus on the problem of gun violence and the problem specifically of school shootings. I, I was responding to the, the hope and the solution-oriented discussions that were for once coming out of this, this tragedy. Uh, so going in, I would say that was the, the main defining theme for me was to focus on solutions, focus on the hope and the activism. 
That is uh, a very different take than I think we, we, we hear about in a lot of um, documentaries where the goal is to just raise awareness versus I, it's, it's really powerful to get that, again, solution-oriented, like what can we do? And now, I do want to kind of go a little further here into the post-production phase. Were there any major changes or any major themes or, or characters that came up when you were sifting through all the footage that you said, okay, actually, we're going to change we're going to add this subplot in or, or change this aspect of kind of the narrative that we were crafting before. We just had an overabundance of footage. We had enough footage literally to make a, a, a six part series on this subject matter. And, um, and so trying to whittle that down was daunting. Um, and I, I kind of kept having to ask myself, why, why am I here? What was the story I wanted to tell? And just keep cutting away anything that, that didn't feel like it was focused on that main story. Um, one of the, the things that, that it sort of pained me to uh, cut out, we had about a 20 minute segment um, about uh, teachers, arming teachers. If you recall, one of the big discussions that came out of Parkland was, well, you know, students would be safer if only teachers had guns, which personally I think is completely absurd. Um, but that discussion came out and, and there were a lot of people talking about that on both sides. And, uh, and so we did film a lot of teachers discussing that and students discussing that. And we even went so far as to film some teachers learning how to shoot guns. Um, at a, a range in Texas. And, and, and I really liked all of this, um, this part of the story uh, and I felt it was important, but you know, at a certain point you just can't make a two and a half hour movie. Um, so that, that would be an example of something, you know, maybe we have another short film somewhere that'll come out later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wanna circle back here and just follow up on thinking about that solution-oriented approach that you mentioned is kind of a theme. Why do you think it is so important to focus on the solution versus, uh, you mentioned true crime, uh, for example, very popular subgenre. I myself am a fan of a lot of true crime, but that tends to focus on spotlighting certain characters or problems without always providing solutions. So like, why do you, is it from your perspective, or why is it interesting for you as a documentary filmmaker to focus on that. To me, there's the fine line between spotlighting an issue that I'm not aware of and enlightening me versus uh, showing me another sad story that I can't do anything about, you know, and I walk out um, just feeling bad about one more thing and, and sort of helpless. I, as a person who makes documentaries, but more as a person who has seen a lot of documentaries. I have had that experience of watching um, one story after another where, you know, I, I feel like um, I just, I just feel terrible. I feel, and I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm introduced to one new problem after another. And I have no idea what to do about it. Uh, so going into this film, I just didn't want people to have that feeling of, you know, here's another thing you should feel really bad about. Um, and then leave it at that. I, I, that just wasn't the approach I wanted to take. The, I wanted to focus on um, solutions, hope, uh, action, uh, leaving people with an idea of what they can personally do to create change in their own communities if they feel motivated to do so. 
Yeah. Well, I think um, that really, it takes me to my next question here and you've already, you've already uh, hit on it. Maybe I'd love to get you to elaborate a little bit more here. Like, so, uh, you know, the thing about documentaries is always a lot of different ideas presented, but if you viewers of your documentary Parkland rising can only take away one or two ideas or feelings or thoughts, uh, what do you hope they leave the film film with? I hope that they will be inspired to take action. I hope that they will understand that if you are uh, if you are complacent about things that you know are wrong, then you are complicit. And every single person has the ability to make change. You cannot leave it up to other people. Um, you have to look at yourself and and you know as corny as it sounds, you need to be that change. So. I, I hope that when people leave, they walk out going, okay, I'm gonna do something. I, I can be part of this solution. Uh, now, as you complete your work on this project by you know, telling this story and releasing it at film festivals and doing interviews like you're doing right now uh, for, for, for me and for Dead Center, um, what was your personal takeaway from this experience? Uh, I mean, are you more hopeful or more concerned for the future of the students and these families? Both. Um, you know, now it's been two and a half years since this all unfolded. Um, I, I feel more hopeful in that I understood the issue of uh, gun rights and gun violence um, in a different way. Uh, watching these, these kids and their families go uh, to one protest after another and watching them um, encounter people who were uh, very hostile to their message. One thing I saw over and over was, was that it was really uh, a very small minority. It was a small vocal minority. There's a lot more agreement around gun reform in this country than I think most people understand or believe, but I've seen it. So I, I, I would say I feel more hopeful in that um, I think there is more consensus um, around uh, the need for change. Um, on, you know, on the other side, are things in a better place right now in this country, two and a half years later? No, <laughs> that, the, I'm not, not excited about where we are right now. <laughs> It's uh, things are kind of crazy out there right now. But um, when thinking about seeing the active level of activism and engagement you saw with, you know, um, teenagers and high schoolers, is that something that really excites you about the future? So it does. I, I love seeing all of these young people, um, you know, speaking up and getting politically engaged. It's so important. And, you know, as, as an adult, I would just say, adults need to be part of that. Um, you know, I, I sometimes hear adults say, oh, you know, these kids, they're going to handle it. They're, they're the solution. Like, yeah, but you still have to help. <laughs> Not an excuse to, to, to <laughs> sit on your laurels, you yeah. know, and just let the kids go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, Cheryl, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, we're going to about to close out, but of course I want to offer you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more. Where can people keep up with you? Where can they keep up with your work and where can they keep up with Parkland Rising online? Uh, thank you. On parklanddocumentary.com, we always update uh, the listing so you can see where the film will be screening. 
Um, we'll continue to do that. And, uh, and you'll see it at um, some uh, independent theaters all across the country for the next few weeks. Fantastic. Now, if you're one of our Oklahoma listeners today, uh, and you're at the, you have a, either you're attending Dead Center or you're checking out the schedule, uh, this is actually a film that's going to be playing. Um, so June 15th, that is the Monday of the festival, from 5 p.m. to 11:59 p.m. Central Time. You can either, if you're a pass holder, you get instant access just by logging on. Uh, or it is $10 a ticket. So, uh, you know, you do have a little bit of time once this interview rolls out. If you're listening, uh, you know, within the first couple days of the festival, you can still check this out at Dead Center. So uh, head on over to the Dead Center Film Festival website and um, get your tickets. Uh, Cheryl, is there anything else you would like to leave listeners with before we close the show? No, I, uh, you know, I really wish I could be there in Oklahoma in person. I, I would have loved to have been at the festival, uh, hopefully next year but I'm still excited to be included. So thank you. Well, fantastic. Uh, well, Cheryl and Donna, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Um, so thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, listeners out there, and if you want to keep up with more of our Dead Center Film Festival coverage, you can head on over to thecinematropolis.com. We've got other audio interviews like this podcast you're listening to now, uh, or we also have a number of written uh, reviews and uh, essays that you can find out from writers like Christopher Schultz and Daniel Bokemper or Joe Light. So you can check that out all at thecinematropolis.com. You can hit us up on social media, uh, on Twitter at The Cinematrop, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>